What is up, people? Welcome back to our podcast series, episode 15, with Black Belt World Champion Shane Jamil Hill-Taylor out of Team Lloyd Irvin. Full house today, both Alexi and Fernando. Jamil, do you want to tell to people who might not know you how you started training? We know you're the first homegrown champion out of TLI Kids Program. You want to share about that with us? Uh, yeah, I started training in 2005, maybe the end of 2004. I started in the summer program at Team Lloyd Urban and the kids' summer program. Just going on field trips and like a regular summer camp. And then I ended up just loving being at the gym and sticking with uh, doing martial arts. Then I got into the jiu-jitsu program and that's where I've been ever since. So just random coincidence that I ended up at the gym and I've been there for the last, what, 15, 16 years. Wow. And the guys you train with, even until today, you pretty much known them since you were little kids, right? Yeah. Uh, everyone in the gym like that trains with me in, a, in our class, all the people around my size that I've been coming up with, Malachi, Ray, Angelo, we've known each other since kids. Like uh, Angelo Claiborne, who's a black belt, that's who I went to elementary school with. So I've known him since I was in elementary school and we used to hang out and that was one of the people that got me to go to the gym in the first place. The truck. Yep. Okay. Nice. And what I really like about Team Lloyd Urban is that you've got this family spirit, you know, when you go to big tournaments, you're all gathered together, shouting for each other. You make that hand signal. It's really nice. Yep. Makes it's a nice team spirit. Yeah, it's, it's really a reflection of how we are in the gym. It's, it's not for show how we act at the tournaments and everything. We're really a, a family unit. Everyone knows each other personally. There's no just uh, athlete and coach. Once you are at our gym, even to visit, you, you become part of our, our family, and we, we really like to take care of each other and be there for each other. Nice. Were you part of the fighter house growing up? No, well, I grew up in the area, so the fighter house was mainly for guys that weren't from the area, like out-of-town guys that were trying to uh, be a part of the team or people that needed to be in an environment like that. I grew up down the street from the gym, and I was a kid, so I didn't really, like, live in the fighter house. I hung out over there a few times. There was two, two to three different fighter houses I've hung out at all of them before, you know, like I never stayed over there though. I always lived near the gym. So my coach would get right to him from the gym. Nice. Question, Jamil, what's it like? Um, he's one of the, not even one of, he's probably the most technical and like detailed coach you could find, like down to the smallest details. You will think you're doing a move right and he'll be able to find just that little bit of angle that you need to really add to your game. And he really focuses on doing the technique as good and as perfect as you can in training and breaking down each small detail and then building it into your mind so that it's memorized so that you don't even have to think about it. And you could do that flawless technique in a competition. He's really good at breaking down techniques in that way. And he's just, just a super good coach for for those, those details. I think he's one of the most technical coaches out he does a great job of analyzing each person's game and being able to break down things in their game that they need to add and work on and just giving you techniques that'll work for you. Fair, fair, man. So uh, you've had your, your fair amount of time with him. Would you recommend others to go to him as well? Yeah, for sure. Like, if, if you were a person in jiu-jitsu that wants to be able to tap into your jiu-jitsu and be, make the best of it, and you find, like, you need someone to help do that, he's, he's the guy that I think you should get in contact with. I feel like he really does a good job of taking an athlete, seeing their body type, their weight, their game, what they like to do, where they're confident, not confident, and just building a complete champion out of that. Like he, he's really good at building champions, no matter where you're starting in your jiu-jitsu journey or even your martial arts journey at that. All right, sounds solid, man. That's great. Jamil, um, we know you've got a sick camp coming up, the UG promotions, a stack bracket. When I saw that one, I was like, 10K is not enough for the for the quality of the guys right there. 
I mean, that's a spider bracket. There should be 100K or something. Um, is there someone you're particularly looking to compete against? At this event? Like someone yeah. that I want in the bracket? Uh, As the first match, let's see. I fought everyone except uh, Andy at least once. Most of the guys more than once. So for me, I always uh, want to fight the people that I've lost to, especially more recently. So Jonathan is the person I lost to most recently in that group. And then after that would be uh, Mateus Gabriel. So I'd be looking forward to getting a match with those guys just to show my growth since the last time I fought them. But I don't really like care too much who I fight or who is in the division. You know, I just, I work on my game to be the best version of me and be the best I can be. So, you know, I don't really care too much about who I fight. But I always look forward to having a chance to uh, go against people that I've lost to recently just so I can show my growth that I've had since the last time I fought them. Yeah. Now, let's say you visualize the ideal path to winning that bracket. Who would, who would be the three matches you have as quarters, semis, and finals? Let's say... Let's not consider the other tournaments. You just the three opponents you'd like to beat to win that 10k, which would satisfy you the most. Uh, in whatever order, I would like to fight Jonathan, Mateus, Gabriel, and Gianni because those are the only people in that bracket that I've lost to. So, whatever order, like the what would satisfy me the most, and, and I feel like we'll do the best job of showing the growth in my jiu-jitsu since the last time I competed would be the guys that I've lost to. All three of those guys, the last time I fought them, I lost. So those would be the three ideal matches for me. Like if I get those three matches, that would be the best uh, path for me. Continuing from that, which one of those guys motivates you the most to just be better? Like you learned the most from the fight and you think, you know what, next time it's not going to be the same. Uh, that would be Gianni just because I fought him the most. And every time I fight Gianni, I always feel like I lost off of something I did. Like, there was something that I made a mistake again. Like, I lost the match myself. Like, feel like they were just better than you, then you just get better. But when you lose to somebody because you felt like you messed up and it was something on your side, like you lost the match yourself, it gives a, a lot deeper motivation for me because I try to, to execute flawless technique and game plan and strategy and everything going into matches. So if I messed up, I take it a lot harder than if somebody I felt was just better than me. And I've never really grappled anyone in a I haven't grabbed with anyone since I've been competing where I felt like they were just better than me unless I fought one of my teammates as a kid that was better than me. So I usually feel like when I lose, there's something like directly that I did. And I feel like with all my matches with Gianni, I've had a lot of moments like that where I kind of lost the match myself. I was up where I was in position to win and I, I did something stupid or I did something like not in my game plan that ended up costing me the match. So... That would be the one. For our viewers, um, how would you go about correcting that? Because obviously it's okay to say it, but it's in your mind, right? You know this is in your head, and you're like, how do I go about this? Do I, how do I concentrate more? How do um, I myself? It's rough because you have to be completely honest with yourself. A lot of people will start making excuses for themselves. Oh, I, I knew I was tired. I just have to work on my cardio or oh, I know what I did wrong. I'll just not do that. And that's not going to help you get better at losing a match, especially if it was something you did. You have to be able to go take that video and watch it with your coach, watch it with your teammates, and be able to, like, you know, be vulnerable in that moment to where everyone in there is pretty much finding the stuff you did wrong and breaking each thing down that you did wrong and could have did better and then drilling the crap out of it to ensure that that doesn't happen again. And if it's something that you didn't have a technique in place, then you didn't beat yourself. They beat you. You, you didn't have – you had a hole in your game. And you have to be able to be honest and add something into your game that you didn't have. 
And that's where I feel like it's something we do really well at Team Letter. And like, there's no feelings involved. If you, if I lose a match, we'll be the whole team that's in the training will be watching that match and analyze, analyzing what they think they did wrong. I have to be honest and say what I felt. I can't have an ego and say, oh, he didn't feel strong. Oh, he didn't feel good here. No, you have to. If somebody felt strong somewhere and you felt like they were strong to be in this position, you have to be able to be honest and, and let that be known so that you can work work and build up to uh, not have that as an issue again, you know. And I feel like a lot of people have a hard time doing that just because, you know, egos and your pride and things like that. You don't want to admit that you did something wrong. It's, it's a mental battle, but at Team Let Urban, we do a great job of, of overcoming that that mental those mental barriers that stop you from being good. It's great, man. Um, so who is somebody that you grew up watching uh, as you were developing your game? Who's somebody that influenced you in your jiu-jitsu? Bruno Frazada, Rodrigo Cavaca, and Braulio Estima. Those would be the, the three that I saw live. As far mm. as, like, just motivating and people that I just always wanted to be like is Tetterday and Jacare. Like, I would watch those highlights at least uh-huh. two, three times a week. The, the classic Jacare highlight with them coming out the water in the beginning and then the, the classic Tetterday highlights. Like, those those videos for me were always the biggest motivators, like, for just, oh, I want to be like that. But as far as, like, who I watch live, like, at tournaments and who I studied and, and wanted to be like like that I could see directly because I never got to watch Jacare and Teddy fight live. I've only watched the old highlights. Would be uh, Rodrigo Cavaca, Bra- uh, Bruno Frazado, and uh, Braulio Estima. Those, are, those guys' game has always been, like, uh, very motivating for me. Mm, okay. We had Braulio Estima in, in Cyprus, right, Lucas? Yeah. He's, he has an affiliate. Yeah. Yeah, I was one of, one of his seminars in in Limassol. It was it was a pretty pretty good seminar. Yeah, I think I feel like he's been in the game so long that he knows how to explain things. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was it was a good good little seminar he did. Yeah, he was one of the earlier like uh, competitors to cross over into like the media world and being able to articulate himself probably comes from just the experience and him having a lot of experience commentating and things like that. So he's mm-hmm. able to break down techniques and things really, really well. So I do enjoy his commentary and things now, but I watch a lot of his matches, especially live. Nice. Jamil, um, you were the first guy who managed to win featherweight gold after the era of Rafa Mendes and Cobrinha. These guys used to rule the featherweight division. I think might be like since 2009, that they would just win world titles between them. And then you came and, and got the gold. I wanted to say that previous to 2018 Worlds, where you became, I think, the third American champion after Musumeci and Lovato, I'm not sure. Uh, fifth, because uh, BJ Penn. Oh, yeah, BJ Penn. Drysdale, Robert Drysdale. So I yeah, that's true. That was, yeah, the fifth. Okay. Um, you would always come really close before that. I mean, I know you came third at Pans 2017. You came third at Worlds after a controversial match against Cobrini at Worlds 2017. Um, you came second to Gianni Pans 2018, but it was at Worlds of 2018 when you really made it and became a world champion. And you... It wasn't that you had any easier matches. You faced Marcio Andre, you faced Thiago Macedo, Cascal. Do you believe that what really made you win and overcome yourself was, was it mental or was it physical? Um, both. It's always both, you know. It's always physical, meaning you always need to be getting better techniques and building your game and getting, like, fine-tuning all your moves. But the mental side, I've never really had a problem with. Like, I, I've overcame the, the mental side of just athletics in general at a young age, just understanding that there's no secret to winning. You have to work hard and you have to be willing to sacrifice 
certain things that if you want to be able to work even harder and have less distractions in your life to be able to focus on what you want. So I've understood that at a young age. And because of that, I always know, like, if I lost, I just need to work harder and continue to work hard. And if I keep working harder and harder than anyone else, then I'm going to be the best because I'm in a gym that builds champions. I'm in, I'm in a, a gym that has world-class competitors and coaches. So I just need to make sure I'm doing my part, you know, and just working hard. So the mental side wasn't really a thing there. It's just putting everything together, you know. Uh, I always feel like, like I said earlier, I do my best. I always have big games after I lose versus after I win, you know because I'm able to go back and really break down my game and what I need to work on and what I need to fix going forward. So losing 2018 times, I was able to take those mistakes and the things that I did. Like I said, I felt like I did a lot of stuff. I beat myself at that tournament. You know, I was in control of the whole finals. And at the end, I just made a judgment error and I went to a bad position that I was trying to hold out to for the last uh, 30 seconds. And it just wasn't a good strategy it wasn't something that I worked on it wasn't in my game plan I kind of left my what I do as a jiu-jitsu practitioner I don't I don't try to sweep and hold I try to sweep and pass and submit no matter what the time is what the score is so I was able to analyze that and go back and put myself in a position to be able to win worlds comfortably you know I never really felt at, at worlds that I was in any uncomfortable positions even though I was fighting the best competitors that were there you know so I just felt like it was everything just came together in 2018. In 2017, I felt like I was I was in a position to win that division at Worlds there, you know, and that was based on I got DQ'd at Pans in the semifinals for something I didn't feel like I should have got DQ'd. So I had that learning moment, just understanding certain things about the game that you can and can't do and just being able to maneuver, you know, and I felt like I could have won 2017 Worlds and I was in a position to win 2017 Worlds. So just building on that and taking that and not looking at it like, oh, I got robbed, oh, I got cheated. Looking at it like I had a close match. I thought I won. I didn't, but I still need to go look at this video for what it is, which is a loss now, and be able to learn and, you know, fix the things. Because even though the score was tied, that doesn't mean that you did everything you could have did to win. It doesn't mean that it was a flawless match. You know, there was mistakes on both sides. There was things that I could have did better to put myself in a position where the score could have been more in my favor or even a submission, you know? So just putting everything together, really what, whenever I'm in a division, I'm always there to win and I'm always in a position to win. Could you possibly describe your, the beginning of that day to us, how you went about it? Like you ate, you woke up, you ate your breakfast, you went to the venue. 2018? Yes, please, man. Yeah. Uh, I wake up early when I compete, just listen to music and relax. Usually, we all stay in a hotel together, the team, so we're all, like, packed in the hotel. So I usually will go down to breakfast, and I probably won't eat too much. I just like to be able to, uh, like, get to a space where I'm kind of by myself and just get to relax, listen to music, just, re just really relaxing, you know? Like, I don't feel like if you play it in your head like it's a movie, you're going to mess yourself up because you're going to think that you're the main character and that everything's just going to fall in place for you, you know? So I don't like doing that build-up where you kind of hype your head up like it's, it's meant for you and you have to go out there and take it. So I just like to relax and just have as normal of a day, you know? I may watch a little bit of, like, the matches because that's the one day where I don't want to get to the tournament early as if, like, a spectator and watch all the matches. I come in when it's my time to fight. So I'm watching, I was watching all the matches that were going on because I didn't fight till like 11, but you know, the tournament starts at nine. So I was just watching the uh, other matches, listening to music, watching all the, the lighter divisions fight and just relaxing, you know, and when I get to the venue, everything's relaxed. I, like I said, I don't want to psych myself out and, and do all these mental games with myself. I train, I know what my jujitsu is where it needs to be. It's just, I'm as good as I'll ever be in this, in this moment. So I just need to relax, do my warm up, you know, talk to my coaches. Everything's normal, you know. I'm not all uh, like stiff and and serious, you know. I'm joking with the guys. We're just a normal day, and I just do my warm up, 
I like to do some drills. I like to run a little bit to get my muscles activated, you know, and I'm just relaxing, you know, I may be playing a game on my phone. I don't like listening to music when I'm getting ready to fight, like at the event, because I like hearing, like, I like hearing the whole event. I want to hear the people screaming for the, the matches that are already going. I want to hear people booing. I want to hear people yelling at the rest. I want to hear, you know, just take everything in. Because like I said, I don't want it to feel like a, a movie, like I'm the main character. Like there's other people out there that are also doing the same thing I'm doing, you know? So what's going to separate me is that this is me and I'm going to go out there and do this for myself. I'm not going to treat it like I'm the most important person on the mat. So I like hearing everyone else win. I like hearing everyone else lose. I like seeing somebody win by an advantage at the last second. I like seeing someone lose at the very last second. I just take all that in. Like as a second before I'm competing, I feel like I'm still learning. The match that happened right before me, I feel like I can learn from something that happened in that match and they can help me win my match. And that's just kind of how I was going about that day. You know, I, I felt like I was 100% going to win. But I also understood that it wasn't because of any preconceived destiny or fate. It was because I'm going to go out here and win. You know, I want to do everything it takes to win. And that's kind of just how I, I operate on a competition day. You know, and just take it one match at a time. I don't think about the finals when I'm fighting quarterfinals. In that moment, the quarterfinals is the finals, you know, because if you lose, it's done. You got to win and move forward. So quarterfinals is the finals. Then the semifinals is the finals. And then the finals is the final. So for me, the finals was no more important than the quarterfinals. And that way, you know, I didn't feel like it was this big lead up. It's just it's just another match. I fought this same match two more times, two times already, you know, in the same day. So the finals didn't feel any more impactful than the other matches just because of how I look at it mentally, you know. So that was just how I was, how I go about my day. And that's how Worlds was for me, you know. And once I won... I wasn't surprised, you know, I wasn't shocked. I wasn't overcome with any type of emotion because I felt like I've always been putting myself in this position to win and in this position to win this world championship at Black Belt ever since I started competing at IBJJF Worlds in 2009. No, I went to watch in 2009. My first year was 2010 competing in Juvenile. So from that moment, I told myself I was going to be a Black Belt World Champion. So it wasn't no surprise to me that I did it because I understood that all I have to do is work as hard as I can and minimize all the distractions that are around me to be able to put myself in that position to be able to win. Wow, that's, that's really insightful, man. I like the uh, the idea about every fight being a final because if you're out, you're out. Why worry? Yeah, for me, yeah, that carries past uh, IBJJF. I could be competing at the Naga. That's just how I carry myself. Whatever my next match is, is the most important match in my life, you know? I don't want to, I don't downplay any match because, oh, this isn't, this isn't Worlds, you know. It doesn't matter what organization, if I'm fighting, that's the biggest match in my life at that moment and up until then because I feel like I'm always growing. So as of now, whatever I did in 2018, it's, it's historical. Yes, it'll always be in the history books, but that's, if I'm competing at the Naga, a random Naga division next week, that's a more important match to me than Worlds, you know. That's what I'm doing now. You know, I always feel like I take that with me. So just carrying myself like that, you don't get caught up in, in the moment, you know. Once the moment passes, whatever you do next is the most important thing. Just so you're always in a forward-thinking mindset, you know. That's true. For sure. That's such a good perspective to, to go into tournaments like that because, like you said, it takes away the pressure of the buildup of the next match. You know, every usually when you're winning your first match, then the next match is more, there's more pressure and more stress on, on people's heads that yeah. it, they, they need to do it. But looking at it like you're saying it right now, you just go in and that match is your match. And don't think about the finals now. Don't think about the next match. Just yeah, that dude. match. Yeah. You're always going to beat up on yourself if you think like that because you'll have a match and it's your first match of the day and you'll feel like you didn't do it you're thinking about how you're going to do in the finals. And now you're like, oh, how am I going to win the finals if I didn't win this match by a lot of points? I only won this match by an advantage. I'm not going to be able to win the finals. And, you know, you're looking at whoever's winning on the other side of the division and you're worried about them and all of this stuff. Like, that's that's too many mental barriers you start putting on yourself, too much stress and pressure. 
I'm thinking about my whatever match I have coming up, and I'm not even gonna even I'm not gonna think about any other match until that match is done. The second that match is over, now that match meant nothing. And now the next match is the most important match. And that's how you do it because you could also be in a situation where you win a good match and you know you have another match coming up, but you start thinking about the match you won and you're like, man, even if I lose, I had that great match. I'm, I'm proud of myself. I had to know, like, you can't think like that either. You have to be right. You can't be too far on either side, you know. That match is the most important match. That first match, the second that match is over, we're not worried about that match anymore. That match is old. It happened already. You won. No one cares about that match anymore. Now it's the next match is the most important match. Once that match is over, that match you just did doesn't matter anymore. The next match. And that's just how you think, you know. You can't be too far yeah. in the past or in the future. You got to be right in that moment. Right there. And whatever. Yeah, so don't don't hype yourself either. Yeah, like, even if you go up. Yeah, don't think because you tapped out the first guy that you're the greatest. You should think that you're the best in the division, but don't base it off of your performance against one guy. I'm not the best mm -hmm. in the division because I just tapped one guy. I'm the best because I put the training in and I've been working hard and my game has developed to where I feel like I'm the best in this division, you know? So you should be motivated yeah. to keep proving it in your next match, but don't think that because of your last match, oh, you submitted the guy or you won by 20 points that you must be the best one in the division. That's not you, – you have to be able to balance it out, you know? You're mm -hmm. supposed to be confident and feeling like you can win, but don't feel like – it's just because you're just the best or you're just the greatest. You got to remember what you did and all the training you put into it, you know? Yeah. So trust your work. Don't, don't think that you're the main character and that this, this tournament revolves around you and don't, don't hype yourself either when you're winning matches. Yeah. I feel like that way. If you think that way in life too, you just, you have a much better uh, understanding of life. You know, every person you walk past on the street is the main character in their life. And to you, you're just the, you're just an extra to them. You're just a random guy that walked past on the street. So you can't be walking around as if you're just the greatest person and everyone else, you know, you have to understand in my life, I'm the main character and everyone else are the supporting characters and things in my life, whether they're an extra, whether they're a, another main character that's important to me or not, you know, but to that other person, it's the exact opposite. I'm just a random guy that walked past. They don't know or care about that I do jujitsu or that I won a world championship. So you have to be able to have that respect for people and understanding that if something doesn't go your way or something frustrates you is you can't treat it like you're just the greatest person on earth and everything should revolve around you. And it works on the mats as well. You, you stuff, the refs aren't just going to favor you because you are you, you know, don't leave it to a ref's decision thinking that, Oh, I'm the main character. So the refs are going to pick me like, no, you have to go do everything to get what you want exactly how you want, which is hard work and then going out and executing, you know? And you, that's kind of how I feel about life and jujitsu. It's all kind of the same for me, how I live my life. Everything is revolves around the same ideas. Talking about your hard work. Um, so you obviously, you, you do your training. I mean, is there emphasis on drills, specific sparring, uh, mental preparation? I mean, how does your week work when you're preparing for a big competition? It's everything, you know? We train hard at Team Little 24-7, 365. There's, we don't have an off-season, you know. We don't we don't have a break. If you're training, we're training as if there's a tournament that we, we're always training hard. So, for me, it's just normal training. It doesn't feel like it ramps up any more or less when it's a big competition. Now, of course, when the world comes, there's more guys from out of town, more guys from Brazil and things that are, you know, people that are trying to come be a part of our training. So the mats will be a little bit, the energy is a little higher, you know, and because everyone's competing versus like right now, I'm, I'm the only jujitsu person that has a match coming up. So the energy is up for me and there's people excited for me, but it's different when it's world, everyone on that mat is going out there to try to be a world champ. So the, of course, when worlds and things are coming up, the energy overall is a lot higher and the morale is a lot higher, especially with how the world is right now. But the training is still the same. You know, the guys that are in the gym that are the guys I train with, we're there. We're going hard every single day. We were going hard before I knew anything about EUG coming up. Before I got the message about this event, we were still training the same. We were still going hard as if we had, like, we were ready for someone to call and offer a fight, you know. 
whenever I'm in the position to train, I train as hard as I can. So for us, we do the situational sparring. We do a lot of drills. We're, we're probably the biggest drilling gym out there. Like we, we've been drilling hard for years. We've always had an emphasis on drilling your techniques until they become muscle memory until you can understand everything you're doing without having to think about it, you know, and being able to execute flawless technique from drilling without having to actively think about it. Like you can, you can just do it automatically, you know, from drilling, you build that muscle memory and we've always like sparred hard, you know, we always went hard in, in our rolling. We never took it off or went light rolling or float. We don't really float grapple a lot. We just, we go hard, you know? Nice. Um, Jamil, something I'd like to ask you. Um, I know up until 2019, I don't know if something changed now. You don't lift, right? Um, you've said that thing in, a, in an interview with Flo that you don't lift. And I'd like to ask, what is, is there something else, like some strength and conditioning program you follow without lifting? How do you yeah, do? I do a lot of uh, I do a lot of body weight exercises and calisthenics, you know, pull-ups, push-ups, all types of stuff like that, you know, and a lot more practical uh, strength and conditioning stuff, like stuff you can incorporate your gi into and and stuff that's revolving around jujitsu and stuff, and a lot of cardio from that. Like we have a very unique strength and conditioning program from. Uh, my and kids instructor that's been an instructor I came up with Master Donnie Donald Aikman. I don't know if you guys have seen him. He's always at every yeah, yeah. one of our matches. But he, I've been training with him since I started. That was the first coach that I had at Team Led Urban, and that's kind of still who I train with mainly now. And he has the very unique uh, strength and conditioning program that we do that I've been doing since a kid. And it, it builds muscle and it builds cardio and everything you need for jujitsu. But I just never really lifted, you know, and I do understand that there are benefits in lifting, building strength for your joints and injury prevention. But I've just never done it. I've got no same benefits from doing my body weight calisthenics and, and basic cardio stuff. So, yeah, I've never I lifted weights in college for a class. And that was the only time I've ever lifted weights. I had a weightlifting class for a college credit. That was the only time I ever lifted weights. And that was like twice a week that I did that class. Yeah. So you went to college and competed and trained full time at the same time, right? Yeah. All of the world titles that I have had adult, I was in college. Wow. From blue to brown uh, or even to black? Blue belt was juvenile. So I was in high school. Oh. But purple belt, brown belt, black belt, I was in college. I was on campus full-time student and full-time teaching and training at the gym. It's crazy. The other guys on the campus know that you was doing this at the same time. Some of the guys, we had, we started a jiu-jitsu club at, at my college, Howard University, because um, there was a time where I had to take night classes and it interrupted with the main training that I had to do for Worlds and everything. So in order to kind of supplement that training and replace it, uh, there was a class at Howard actually for jujitsu, like a credit, you could do jujitsu and get oh, nice. for it. So, th through the instructor there, who was really cool, we were we were both purple belts. So we kind of we actually both like went from purple to black belt around the same time frame. So, we started a jujitsu club for people that were a little bit more interested in learning the sports side of jujitsu at Howard from the class, and we were able to teach them jujitsu. And I was able to train with those guys and use the stuff we taught them to be able to get good drilling and pretty good sparring in when I couldn't get to the gym because I used to have to ride the Metro, to ride the train all the way to the gym when I left school. But when I had a class at like 8.30 p.m., I couldn't go to the gym. So I, I needed to kind of replace that training. So we put in a like a program for me to be able to do that at school. So some of the people knew that I was – what I was doing, you know, there were some wrestlers, some guys that were kind of into the MMA scene that were familiar with jiu-jitsu that were like, if you told them what I was doing and where I trained, they would, under, they would know and understand. But it wasn't until I won the black belt that the school as a whole kind of 
found out about what I was doing and kind of acknowledged me around the campus and they put like an article and things like that out. So that was after Black Belt. That's right. Nice. Um, and what I'd like to ask, I don't know, that was the club at the university. Was it more to keep in contact? I mean, I guess other than the other guy who was a purple belt as well, you weren't getting any rounds. So was more to keep in touch? It was mainly for me, what I was getting out of it was we're going to get these guys to a level where they understand balance and just how to be like, how to keep their body in the right positions and things, you know, like when you start in jujitsu, balance is one of the biggest things you're, you're putting your body in positions that up until you start doing jujitsu, you would never, you know, you're never just going to be one knee up, one knee down and standing in these positions. So When you start jiu-jitsu, you have to understand that balance because you're putting your body in these brand-new positions. So that was the main thing, teaching people how to break fall, teaching people how to, like, have their posture and their balance and their base. And then once they built that basic base, I was able to drill and do the things that I needed to do, and I would get the stuff that I needed to drill and work on from my coach at, at Tumor Irvin, and I was able to have a partner, like, Some of the guys would compete from that club and go to local competitions and win. So they the jiu-jitsu level got pretty good. Like some of the guys got up to pretty good blue belt level. Like one of my best friends, he he was winning all the local competitions at white belt. And then when he got to like blue belt level, he was able to compete and still win in his division based on training at jiu-jitsu club. He never went to an actual jiu-jitsu gym. So and he had a wrestling base. So I was able to drill with him a lot and actually roll with him. I would just have to, you know, when you're rolling with somebody who's not on your skill level, you can get the best out of that role by focusing on specific things that you want to focus on and putting yourself in situations, you know, putting yourself in a spot where, okay, this person will probably never get you in this spot otherwise, but you need to work on this position. So put yourself in these positions to be able to work on it, you know, like uh, let the guy mount you. Yeah and start working from there or let the guy start on your back and work from there starting the close guard starting the submission and you kind of take advantage of yeah this guy may not be able to put me in this triangle but he knows how to squeeze the triangle so i'm going to put myself in there and work on my defenses and help him work on his offense from there so that i can build these small positions because like i said when you're in a room with people that aren't competitive or aren't really on your like you're above them in your skill level, like you're training with a room full of new guys, it's not going to help you if you're just going at them full steam and you're going hard. One, they're not going to enjoy it. And they're not, they're not going to get anything from it. And you're not going to get anything from it except boosting your ego. You know, you're not going to get no, you're not going to get any better. So you have to kind of work around that and put yourself, work on really small things at a time. And you can improve on those really small things no matter who you're training with. And over time, those will have a big impact on your game. So the, the idea is that they're, they're, they're perfect, man. Like you said, you put yourself in the situations where it's more trouble for you, so you gain from it. You mentioned drilling a lot. I mean, is it drilling like you're drilling on a syllabus, or is it you say to your coach, look, man, this is where maybe my dead heave is not strong. I need to drill this over and over again. Or how, how do you work on that? Um, what we're drilling on, so we'll have stuff that we're focusing on as a, as a class, as a unit. And it'll be based on what the coach may feel that we need work on as a whole or just stuff that he wants to add into our game. And just we're always in the process of building new perspectives and, and trying to understand techniques even more. Like, you know, we may have went over Delahiva a few months ago and really broke it down. But since that time, everyone's mind has grown and we're able to look at it from an even different perspective, you know, and build on it some more. So there's some of that. And what your coach sees that you need to work on based on how you're doing in rolling or the last competition will break down and the class will work on everything that you may need to work on for that day. So it may be something that I need to work on, but the whole class is going to work on it as well so that we all build that same understanding. But that's kind of how we drill, you know. I don't, I don't like to dictate my training. I don't feel like I'm at that position where I can tell my coach exactly what I need to do. I'm still a student, you know. To some people, like to the people I teach in my private lesson, yes, I'm an instructor, so I'm the person that's dictating 
we'll move and work on. And for the kids, that's kind of how it is for me. But when I'm in a position where I'm in class as a student trying to get better, I I don't have any ego at all. So I'm not going in there saying, I don't want to work on this. I want to work on uh, Della Hiva. If my coach wants me to work on closed guard arm bars, I'm going to do closed guard arm bars. The track needs to work on their uh, and we'll all drill what we need to work on individually. So we have our certain days of the week where we're doing the same stuff. Then we have other days where everyone's working on what they need to build on specifically and improve in their game, you know? Yeah, that makes sense, man. Yeah, no, of course, no disrespect to the teacher, but I wanted to know if you just, like you said, you had open drilling or you just said in your own time, do you go and draw extra as well? Yeah, if I have free time and we're drilling, I'll grab a partner and go drill. But I like to be able to – I like drilling with my coaches there no matter if they're telling me what to drill or they're leaving it up to me to decide what I want to drill because I always feel like from the outside in, I have a lot of trust in my coaches, Master Lord and Master Donnie, to be able to see from the outside looking in and making sure that I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do, you know. Yeah. Like I, I really – I feel like I'm a – I like being a student. I don't ever feel like I'm – better than my coaches. I feel like my coaches are the best coaches in the world and I have complete trust over the years that they understand my game just as much as I do. So when they're telling me what to drill and they're suggesting things and telling me I need to work on stuff, I have full confidence in what they're telling me and I trust what they're telling me. I don't never, like, uh, you know, some people may not want to listen to what their coach is saying and they feel like their coach is wrong or something. We have a lot of uh, trust at our gym to where I don't ever put, have myself in that situation. Fair enough. Nice. Jamila, we're seeing you in ADCC 2022. We know you fought at the 2019 ADCC. You had a super close match with Nikki Ryan. Are you going yeah, to fight at it? I'm always down to compete. Any any competition, any rule set, gi, no gi, I'm, I'm down. I love jiu-jitsu, and I would do any competition in jiu-jitsu, you know. But uh, I don't know. I have to see what the situation is for ADCC 22. A lot of times it's hard for me because I'm sponsored with Spider, and Spider's biggest tournaments of the year are usually around the same time as the North American and East Coast trials. So I'm I'm always going to go do Spider first because those are those are my sponsors and those are the people that uh, take care of me, you know. So I'm going to go do that Spider competition and go there first. So I've missed ADCC trials a lot of times. All the trials. Like, I never consider myself, oh, I'm, I'm too good for trials. You know, I'll go do the trials. It's just I haven't been able to because of it's around the same time as Spider. And the one time it wasn't at the same time as Spider, I was injured at the, at that time way back. I, was, I wanted to do 2017 uh, ADCC. I couldn't. I was injured at the time trials was. And then when it was West Coast trials, I had the uh, Spider. So I couldn't do the trials. But. I don't know the situation. I'd have to talk to Mo, see what's going on, see what the dates are for the trials, and uh, figure out if I'm on the invite list. You know how it is. You have to. ADCC is it's a just as much work to get into the event and to show that you're one of the people that should be invited to than it is to compete. You know, it's like two competitions in one. Either you do the trials and then you do the ADCC, or you need to be active in the nogi scene and compete and show that you're an elite nogi competitor and then you go do ACC. so it's there's a competition to get in and then there's a competition to win so I have to figure out what's best for me and talk to my coaches about what's best for me as far as approaching that tournament you know I got to see when the trial dates are and make sure I'm able to be in a situation to lose the weight because for me that, that's the most weight that I have to lose is for ADCC I had to get to 145 I haven't been 145 in, since like high school. So for me, that first time it was a, it was a, it was a definite challenge trying to get down to the weight, you know. So I have to 
if I have to do that for trials and then I have to do spider at lightweight the next like two weeks later, I don't want to be putting my body through a lot of that. Those that could mess up your body. So I just have to approach everything smart, talk to my coaches, but the short answer, yes, I would love to compete at ADCC 22, and I'm going to get more active than Nogi. You know, I'm open to Nogi super fights and Nogi uh, tournaments and things. It's just the pandemic kind of put everything in a situation where it's hard to get a uh, competition, hard to find training and stuff, you know? Yeah. And the thing is, considering you're an ADCC veteran, um, even if you participate in the trials and let's say you were unlucky and you came second or third, that would still secure you an invitation, I'd say. Because yeah, I, I mean, know Mo takes, takes into serious consideration taking part in the trials. Yeah, so like I said, it's a competition to get in, it's a competition to win. So however you approach getting in is different. So I could probably go and just try to do a bunch of Nogi super fights just to display that I'm active in Nogi and and fight some of the, the top guys, you know, and try to get Nogi matches, or I can go do the trials, you know, or I could try to sit here and do nothing and think that I'm the best in the world and I'm going to just get an invite. There's different people trying to do different things, and I just have to discuss with my coaches. Of course, I'm not going to do the third option. I feel like I need to earn my way, you know. I was super grateful to be able to get invited the last time without doing the trials or doing a, a whole lot. I had a few Nogi fights, but not a whole lot, but I'm prepared to earn my spot, and I just have to discuss with my coaches and maybe even discuss with Mo what the best course for, for earning my spot is to make sure that everyone knows that I'm, I'm actively competing. I'm not taking lightly this tournament I want to win, you know. Yeah. But for me, growing up, it's always been Gi, Black Bird World Champion, multiple-time Black Bird World Champion, multiple-time Pan Am Champion. I have yet to be able to compete at the Europeans and – Brazilian Nationals and a lot of these other tournaments because I was in college. So I could, my tournaments that I could do were limited and I haven't been able to travel a lot just because I was in school. So I also, I still have that focus as well. So it's just about balancing it and figuring out what's the best course, you know. Nice. Um, the last thing I'd like to ask you is about the Facebook group Lasso Syndicate you did. Yeah, um, I wanted to start a community, you know, just around not just Lasso Guard, but just building a good community and everyone helping each other out. And I wanted to be able to interact more with, like, uh, say, followers on Instagram and things like that. And it's, I felt like making a, gr- a free group that's private, but anyone and everyone can join. I wanted to make something like that where we can, I can have direct interaction with people and, and help people out and see people's technique videos and post stuff on my own. Stuff that wouldn't really get the right interaction on uh, Instagram or if I just posted on my Facebook page and making people feel like they're part of a group that's going to grow and be able to, to help everyone else out. And I'm also like, I have a, a lasso instructional coming out and I'm editing it now. So I wanted to be able to, you know, kind of spread the awareness that I'm about to put out an instruction or that a lot of people have been asking for and be able to get everyone's opinion and you know because i'm doing this completely homegrown it's not with any company we filmed it ourselves i'm editing it myself the curriculum everything i came up with myself and my coaches so i wanted to be able to uh you know put everyone that would be interested in learning the lasso guard in one space so that we can all help and learn and when i release the instructional put it out to those people first at a much higher discounted rate because those are the people that are helping build a community around it and everyone's interacting. So I felt like they're a part of it. And, you know, it's just a big learning experience for me. So I wanted to have everyone a part of that, just having an open learning thing where we can all have fun and, and work on our game. Nice. So you're going to release the instructional yourself. You're not going to maybe release it with BJJ Fanatics or Jiu-Jitsu X. Like... No, I, I've, I've, I've spoken with those people, you know, I'm really cool with. A lot of those guys, Andres, and the people that are a part of that, and I respect like uh, Bernardo Free a lot, and I've had conversations with them, but I didn't even want to talk to them about the instructional when I did it because I just wanted to do just work on something myself, and I feel like right now I have a lot of time to to do stuff like that because of the pandemic and it kind of slowed everything down. So 
I felt like I was, I was like, man, I'm going to just do this myself. I'm going to get my teammates and get a film person and just put this out myself because I wanted to be able to just do exactly what I wanted to do. And I had a vision for it. And I was like, man, I could do this myself. So I don't know. I may have a future working with one of those companies or, or even not if I felt like I, I enjoy doing it by myself better. But I just wanted to do the first one on my just to be able to capable of in that way. And I wanted to, you know, I always have a thing where I like doing the harder option. Whatever is the harder choice, I usually take that one because I feel like there's more growth in that, whether you succeed or fail. So it, it would have been a lot easier to work with another company, but I was like, man, I'm going to take the hard route and I'm going to do this myself because I wanted to be able to learn and have that growth to, to, you know, just find out more about myself if this is something I have a passion in or something that I enjoy doing for other people as well. Really nice. Um, any other sponsors you want to plug in real quick? Um, as always, you see uh, Spider. Yeah. Spider Korea. Follow them on Instagram. Uh, the Monkey Tape. The Armbar Soap Company. You know, all those those companies, they really support me and they help me out a lot. Um, I have a lot of stuff I plan on doing in the future with those guys and other companies as well. So just look out for that. and Join the Lasso Syndicate. It's on Facebook. You can find it linked on my Instagram. It's free for everyone to join. If you want a discount, it'll be a big discount on the instruction when it comes out for members of the group only, you know. And we're, I, like, I'm going live on there in three hours to break down some of my lasso techniques and lasso videos from other people and just have an open discussion with everyone. So it's, it's really fun. We had a lot of fun last week. So look to join anyone and everyone can join. You don't have to be just a lasso player to, to want to learn and build your game. Really nice. nice man definitely will join so make sure guys to follow jamil bjj and join the lasso syndicate on facebook anything you'd like to add alexia oh man it's, it's a pleasure to have you jamil like um to pick your brain and see how you work and we look forward to watching you again thank you for letting the people of cyprus know about you thank you thank you guys for giving me this opportunity this platform to speak and share share my knowledge with you guys our pleasure man. oh dude our thank pleasure so thank you Thank you. Have a good day, man. You too. Bye.